0: Thank you so much, Debbie, for reading that for us so beautifully. Well, the feeding of the 5,000. Perhaps for some of us here today, we've just heard that Bible passage read for the first time. Welcome. It's wonderful that you're here to explore it together. But I guess for many of us, we've heard that quite a lot of times before. It's a passage that we often come across in children's Bibles. Maybe if you grew up at Sunday school, you've been familiar with that ever since childhood. Also, it's one of the only miracles of Jesus, apart from his own resurrection, this is the only miracle that is in all four Gospels. So that says something about just how important it was to the gospel writers when they came to put their stories of the life of Jesus together, and how important it is for us to look at today as well. So as we come to explore this wonderful passage together, let me pray for us as we begin. Heavenly Father, we praise and thank you for your generosity to those 5,000 people on the shore of Lake Galilee and for your amazing generosity and grace to us too. And we pray that as we explore your word together today, you would open our hearts and our minds and our eyes to see and receive from you afresh this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. So the feeding of the 5,000, we are about in the middle of Jesus's public ministry. Up to this point, he's been going around doing various miracles, lots of healings of people who are sick, and even raising a dead girl back to life. And in the verses immediately before our passage that Debbie just read, Jesus has commissioned his disciples to share in this ministry. He's sent them out to preach the word and to heal the sick in his name. And at the beginning of our passage, we see the disciples returning from this mission. They're reporting back to Jesus on everything that has happened. Jesus takes them off with him to somewhere quiet near Bethsaida. It's a chance for them to regather, to rest to reflect on their experiences of sharing in Jesus's ministry. But the people have other ideas. The crowds don't want to leave Jesus alone, and they follow him and his disciples to that quiet place of retreat and rest. I don't know about you, but I think I might have been a bit grumpy about this. I mean, does Jesus have no boundaries, Does he not realise the disciples are probably exhausted and need a bit of downtime? But the generous heart of Jesus has no limits. He welcomes the people, continues to preach to them, and continues to heal those who are unwell. But then there's a problem. It's getting late. They're a long way from anywhere And there is no food or shelter for the crowd. And so the scene is set for Jesus to do this wonderful miracle of provision, abundance, and generosity. The disciples bring what they have, but it's not nearly enough to feed the crowd. I'm going to switch microphones. Thanks, Thomas. The disciples bring what they have, but it's not nearly enough. How must they have felt as Jesus told them to get everyone to sit down in groups? There was probably a bit of a sense of expectation. The disciples and the crowds all knew that Jesus had amazing power to do miracles. But at the same time, they must have wondered exactly what he was going to be able to do. I mean, after all, they have never been in this situation before. Commentators have spent quite a lot of time and effort coming up with various alternative explanations to try and explain away what happened. Some suggest that the real miracle took place in people's hearts. So when they saw the disciples sacrificially contributing the small amount of food that they had brought with them it kind of prompted everyone else to bring out the packed lunches that had been in their rucksacks all along, but they'd kept them hidden up to that point. But really, if that was the case, do you think this little episode would have made such a big impact on the writers of the Gospels and on Christian history throughout the ages? It was, I believe, a genuinely supernatural miracle of multiplication. Jesus takes the five loaves and two fish, looks up to heaven, gives thanks and breaks them and gives them to the disciples to hand out to the crowd. And the pieces of food keep coming and coming and coming. Twelve basketfuls left over at the end. More than the 5,000 people could manage to eat. We see Jesus' miraculous power and sovereignty over the material world. This is the work of the God who created the universe, the God who made matter, who can continue to remake it, to multiply it at will by his mighty power. Praise God. Let's just pause for a moment and reflect on the generosity of God that we see here. Jesus is generous to his disciples in allowing them to share in his ministry. He is generous to the crowds when they arrive and he takes that time to minister to them rather than just telling them to go away. But most of all, he is generous in providing for their needs in this wonderful and amazing miracle. It's an over and above generosity, not just providing enough food, but more than enough, a lot more, an abundance of blessing and generosity. And this generosity of God resonates for me with themes that we see elsewhere in the Bible. And I'm just going to unpack two of those ways. The first is this, the ultimate generosity we see when Jesus lays down his life for us on the cross, pouring out his life, his love, his blood shed so that we might live with him and in him. At the last supper, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body given for you, do this in remembrance of me. I wonder if their minds went back to this miracle, this feeding of the 5,000, as they saw Jesus repeat the same actions, taking the bread, giving thanks, breaking it, and giving it to them. When we celebrate Holy Communion, as we will do later in this service, we recall those same actions. Patrick will take bread, give thanks to God, break it, and we will give it to all of us. The body of Christ, broken for you, broken for me. The generosity of God, shown on the cross, The second Bible theme which resonates with the generosity of God is the feast of God that we read about in the Bible, that wonderful banquet that he will welcome all his people to when he ushers in his kingdom. In Isaiah 25 verse 6 we read, On this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine the best of meats, and the finest of wines. In Luke 14, 15, we read, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. This is a God of abundance who throws a feast, a banquet, a big party for all his people. And I'm sure that on that table, there will not just be barely enough food to go round, but more than enough for all. It's an image of generosity, of abundant giving. Our God overflows with generosity, with love, with grace. So what does all of this mean for us? Well, as I said right at the start, Jesus commissions his disciples to share in his ministry. And he extends the same invitation to us also as we've been going through this series together over the past weeks, our overarching title has been Invitation. We've explored Jesus's invitation to gather, invitation to follow, invitation to baptism, invitation to healing. And today in the last installment of the series, Jesus extends to us an invitation to share. But an invitation to share what and how? let's consider two ways in which we might respond. First, Jesus invites us to share in his mission and ministry, to join in with the work of the kingdom, to get stuck in. Just imagine for a moment that you were one of the disciples with Jesus that day as this amazing miracle took place. You're just back from being sent out on mission to preach and heal in Jesus' name. You're reporting back and hearing stories from others. And let's be honest, you're looking forward to a well-deserved rest and putting your feet up for a bit too. But Jesus invites you to share in what he's doing here and now. You give them something to eat as the hungry crowd press in. You know, you don't have the resources to do this on your own, but Jesus gives you a manageable task. Get them all to sit down in groups of 50. Okay, yeah, can do that. And then Jesus starts to part you baskets with food to take around the crowds. And you go around handing out the pieces of bread and fish, and it keeps on coming and coming and coming. How do you feel? In awe? Humbled? What a privilege! to be a part of what God is doing. So where is Jesus asking you to share in his mission and ministry in this world? Maybe God is laying something on your heart that you know you don't have the resources to do in your own strength. But is God perhaps asking you to take a step of faith to trust him? to pick up the basket of food and start handing it out, trusting that in God's abundance and generosity, he will supply what you need. It might be something that really objectively is quite small, but it feels like a massive, big step for you. Maybe speaking to a friend about your Christian faith, inviting someone along to Alpha, or offering to serve in a particular ministry. Perhaps for a few of you, there's something a bit bigger that God is laying on your heart that really feels like a big step of faith. And if that's you, don't let that go. Do pray about it before you make any massive decisions and talk to someone you trust. But listen to how God might be asking you to share in his mission and ministry. Remember the generosity of God. The disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of leftovers after this miracle. What would it look like for God to overabundantly provide for you as you step out in faith? Will you dare to pray for him to do so? Jesus invites us to share in his mission and ministry, but I believe there's also a second aspect to this invitation to share. The disciples didn't only share in Jesus' ministry, they also shared what they had. In their case, that was five loaves and two fish. So as we've been considering God's generosity to us, I'd like us to reflect on this question. Do we see whatever we have, and that might be a lot in material terms or it might be really quite a little, but do we see it as a gift from God? Maybe we say grace before meals, giving thanks to God for the food on our tables. Maybe we pray prayers of thanksgiving for the important people in our lives, our family and our friends. But what about the money in our bank account, our car, our home, our time, and so on and so on? Do we see these things as gifts from God, and do we stop to say thank you? One of the words that gets used a lot in church is discipleship. It basically means becoming more like Jesus. And I hope that's a journey we all want to go on if we're seeking to follow Jesus as a Christian. So as we consider our own response to God's generosity, I wonder what it would look like for each of us to grow more into the likeness of God in this way, to become increasingly generous ourselves. With our own possessions, our time, our money, our hospitality. It's quite hard, isn't it? Because we naturally feel that these things are ours and we cling onto control, but everything that we have is a gift from God and we only have it because of God's generosity to us. Perhaps some of us feel like we've got nothing to give, nothing to offer. Maybe we feel that we're limited just getting by financially ourselves and couldn't possibly give anything away. Or maybe we're limited by age, illness, or some other reason. Perhaps we say or think, I have nothing to give. I wonder if the disciples felt a bit like that too, as they looked around and saw their meagre offering of five loaves and two fish and then looked at the size of the crowd. It must have felt like nothing, In the face of such need, but they brought what they had, little as it was, and God took it and multiplied it abundantly by his grace. So can I ask you this morning, what are your five loaves and two fish? God doesn't ask us to give what we don't have, but for each of us, there will be different ways in which we can respond to God's generosity. Some of us will say, yes, but I need to provide for my family, my future, and so on and so on. And of course, we need to be wise. But let's come back again to the abundance of God. The God who can take five loaves and two fish and feed 5,000 people with 12 baskets left over is a God who can abundantly provide for each of us too. Paul writes to the Corinthians, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. For some of us, the biggest challenge might not be our finances, but our time. I am too busy to give my time to God to share in his mission and ministry. And I'll hold my hands up to feeling a bit like this from time to time myself. The demands of life crowd in and it can be all too easy to lose sight of what is important in the demands of the urgent. But the question that helps me, which I offer to you this morning as well, is to ask ourselves whether we're too busy to actually stop and receive the generosity that God holds out to us have we paused long enough to unwrap God's gift of grace to us to truly appreciate it to be overwhelmed by his abundant generosity and if we have then how can we not respond to his invitation to share as we finish this morning can I ask you just to look for a moment at your hands? As you sit here in church or at home, just for a moment, clench your hands into closed fists. If we hold our hands like this, it makes it quite easy to cling onto what we have. We're holding it tight. It's ours. But if our hands are closed, it's actually really hard to take anything else in. It's hard to receive God's abundance as he pours it out and offers it to us. Now will you open your hands, just like this, and hold them open on your lap for a moment? As God pours his generosity and grace upon you now, you receive it in your hands. They are open to receive. But you don't cling on to it holding fast to what you have, rather it overflows from your hands and flows on to others. It's like a waterfall of grace. God continues to lavish his blessing on you, but not to hold on to, but to share to bless others. So will you open your hands and your heart to receive God's generosity? and then respond to his invitation to share this with others. Amen.